Welcome. This is my truth as a platform for honest, open conversations. The stories I share or that others share are often not spoken about or discussed, but once told, I believe they have the ability to shine a light on another perspective or a much needed conversation. These stories may make us laugh, some may make us cry, but together we will learn from one another and begin to heal. Because walls need to be torn down, masks need to come off, stories need to be heard in order for our truths to be told. This is my truth. Will you tell me yours? Hello, hello, podcast world. Welcome back to This Is My Truth. I am your host, Jesse Sherliff, and today I have on a former colleague and just all around awesome human, Adam Cole. And I probably just butchered his last name. Adam, I apologize. Um, but we had such a real conversation, and I was so grateful for Adam's honesty and vulnerability, especially around the topic around, you know, self-doubt. Because I think it's a topic that so few of us actually talk about or reflect on ourselves. And it's definitely something that, you know, men in particular don't talk about a lot. And so I was especially grateful for Adam to share his story because I think that it's so important to talk about our stories so that we can shatter stigmas and, you know, de-stigmify, de-stigmify, well, shatter stigmas. It's, it's been a long day. Um, around these topics. So Adam, thank you. A little bit more about Adam. Adam is an 11-year Googler, a father, a husband, an entrepreneur, and the host of the Mindful Fire podcast. He's passionate about the power of mindfulness and financial independence to empower each of us to live the life we are meant to live. At Google, he's trained over a thousand Googlers on developing emotional intelligence through mindfulness through the popular course, Search Inside Yourself. As a side note, I have taken Search Inside Yourself um, many years ago at Google, and it is a great, great uh, tool in order to uh, understand what you are truly trying to achieve for yourself. You can reach Adam at uh, mindfulfire.org and also at uh, Facebook at Mindful Fire Podcast and on Instagram at the the Mindful Fire Podcast. And also feel free to reach him at adam.m.coelho at gmail.com. We have such a fun conversation, and I am so grateful to have connected with him. I wish that we had worked together. We actually never worked together, um, despite the fact that he was there for 11 years and I was there almost 14 years, um, and our paths never crossed. But it's funny how you get connected to people after the fact. So um, check out our conversation. I'm so interested to hear what you think. Let Adam and I know what your biggest takeaway of our conversation was. And with that, plug in your iPhone or your headphones or your AirPods, whatever you use to listen and enjoy the conversation. 
Adam, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with you, Jesse. Well, I like to start these conversations asking the seemingly simple question, what is the truth that you would like to share? Seemingly simple is a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so the truth I'd like to share today is one that I've realized over a long period of time, and that's we're all telling ourselves stories about ourselves all the time. And most of the time, we're completely unaware of those stories. Uh, and for me, I've had many stories going in my mind for my whole life, but I've been unaware of those stories for the majority of my life. And the thing that really helped me uncover what these stories are, most of which are very unkind, are is mindfulness. And so I had this, you know, we can go into it, but I, I have a lot of unkind stories running in my mind about you're not good enough, you're doing it wrong, and things like that. And those stories, if I'm unaware of them, when I was unaware of them, were really driving my life uh, in, in ways that weren't very productive. And so I'm happy to talk more about that. But we all have these stories. And it's really time that we start to pay attention and bring them to the surface so we can work with them. First and foremost, thank you for sharing that. I can completely relate to the many stories, right? In lots of ways, to your point, they're unconscious um, or you know beliefs that we didn't even realize that we had. Um, so I'm curious, you know, what are some of the stories that you've realized over time that you've been telling yourself? Yeah, you know, one that I'm working with now, and, you know, I, I always joke that I have to learn lessons like 10 times before I actually learn them. Um, we all? Yeah, really. And this story that I have about not being good enough and that I'm doing things wrong, right? It really shows up for me as you're doing it wrong. And it's almost as if there's some ideal standard that I'm holding myself to, but I can't describe that standard. And it is all encompassing, right? It's in every area of my life. It's not just on, you know, work or family or whatever. It's just like, there's this right way of doing things. And I'm definitely not doing it that way. And so that shows up for me in a way that I essentially hold myself back right? I have this fear that I'm going to do things wrong or that I'm doing them wrong. And so then I don't start new things or I procrastinate. That's a big one, right? For instance, at work, like I have to make a presentation. Nothing more scary to me than a blank, a blank presentation because it's just like, oh my God, like I have to present this to a client. I'm going to do it wrong. And I just procrastinate until the absolute last moment. And then I do whatever I do. And I kind of like say, Oh, well, that's good enough. And I kind of give myself an out. It's like, well, if it's not good enough, I didn't put that much time into it anyways. Not the most productive thing you could ever do. <laughs> but um, it shows up in a lot of ways, you know, and, and I just am kind of untangling the ways that this story that I tell myself and it's really, it's not, I'm, I'm not actively telling myself, oh, you're not good enough. It's just a, an underlying feeling that, you know, even if, 
even as I was thinking about what is my truth that I want to share here, it's like, oh boy, like, uh, and it was, it was very much like I was just procrastinating and, and not wanting to even try because it was, it's scary, you know, to like put something out there and, and uh, yeah, so it's like, oh, there's that story again. There's that not good enough story. Um, so yeah, it shows up in a lot of ways. I think I have that story too. Um, like right, the the perfectionism and for me, it shows up or manifests in, in control, like needing to control situations. Um, and if I'm not in control, then I'm like spiraling. And I would go out on a limb and say most people who are Googlers have some version of, of this story, whether they, they realize it or not. Um, but I think that most people to some extent have, have a story. So I think what you're, what you're sharing is so relatable and you're right. It is scary because it's super vulnerable, right? And you're sharing an insecurity that you have about yourself with the world in a way. So, so thank you because, you know, one of my missions is to create community and connection through sharing stories, because while all of our experiences or, you know, values might be different, more often than not, we, we have Com like con commonalities, I can't talk today, you know, commonalities, there's that common thread that we can all relate to, even though, you know, our experiences might not be the same. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, and that's kind of why that's the truth I wanted to share. It's like, whether or not you're you, whether or not you're aware of it, you have stories, right? It may not be this exact one, or it may not show up in the exact same way, right? You yours manifest in wanting to control things, mine manifest in trying to be like, chill and and go with the flow. And like, I always joke that I'm a closet perfectionist, right? And because like, for the longest time, I like, completely thought like, Oh, I'm just go with the flow, easy going, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, and really, that's just a coping mechanism for not wanting to apply myself because I don't think that I'm good enough. And that I'm going to do it right. And there's all this other stuff that started to, I've been exploring this a lot uh, in therapy and in journaling. And, um, you know, it's really come to my mind that like, I have this fear of not wanting to do things wrong, because if I do things wrong, I'll get in trouble. And that was like an extra step forward that I took that I realized that and it's just like a, a weird assumption. It's like, why, why would I get in trouble? But, you know, there were some things in my life in the past where, you know, I couldn't exactly be myself in certain situations and I needed, and I was afraid that I was going to get in trouble or I did get in trouble for certain things. And so, you know, I avoid that. And so, but the key here is that we all have these stories and we can start to become aware of the stories. And the more aware we are of the stories, we can decide, is this useful? And if it's not useful, we can set it to the side, or even better, we can change that story and start practicing a different story that will allow us to move forward in a different direction with more choice and more aut autonomy instead of being driven by this 
hidden story that uh, that that's kind of in the background. So I want to unpack what you just said a little bit more because what's coming up for me um, when you were talking is there were moments in your life, right, that it sounds like unconsciously compounded sort of this story of not good enough because you don't want to you don't want to get in trouble, and I call these. Like, like when I think about these moments and I call them moments, it, you know, I started out with an exercise one day for myself. Like I just wrote all those moments that like I couldn't get out of my head, like things that happened to me, you know, like five minutes ago, things that happened to me like 25 years ago. And I was always like, why? Like, why? Like, this is such a random memory that keeps coming up like time and time again. Like, what is this telling me? And for me, starting that process actually helped to uncover some of my stories because when I started to actually, you know, unpack those moments, I realized there was like, you know, like using the iceberg analogy, like we only see sort of what's on the top, but then there's so much more underneath. And so what I realized, and I'm curious sort of your perspective on this is for so long, I was so good at compartmentalizing and shoving things down and not looking at those moments, like not wanting to deal with them, that when I started to to look at them, I realized that in some ways I had lost my voice and I was letting other people own my narrative. I was letting other people own my, my stories and in unpacking those moments and unpacking, you know, those stories that I was telling myself, I was able to feel like I was coming into my own a little bit more and being more vulnerable, being more authentic, um, being the leader and the mom and the partner and the human mostly, um, that I wanted to be. And so I'm curious, is, does any of that resonate with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, it was, it's absolutely looking at those specific incidents Right. I feel like there's kind of two ways you can come at this, right? There's the way that you just described, which is thinking of going through an exercise of thinking about specific situations where you were, your mind was racing or all over the place and you felt overwhelmed or, you know, whatever, whatever way it shows up for you. Um, looking at those specific moments that are clear standouts. For me, it was a little bit different. You know, I used, um, you know, I used the practice of mindfulness as kind of the door into this, because like I said, I was completely unaware of this, right? You know, I mean, I started uh, meditating and practicing mindfulness back in like 2012. So I was a couple years into Google and I was just in this space where I was just really negative. I like was trying to make things happen on the team, on my team and, you know, trying to make, yeah, trying to make things happen. And just things were the things weren't going well. And I was just kind of like complaining a lot, you know, just in a real negative headspace, complaining, complaining, and not really stopping to ask like, why, right. And one day I was complaining about riding the shuttle from San Francisco to Mountain View, which is about an hour and a half each way at best case scenario, each day. Um, and I was doing that. Um, every day. And so I was complaining to a friend of mine at Google and he said, Hey, you should try meditating. You should, you know, you're complaining about this time. You have to be on this bus anyways. You might as well meditate. And I was like, I don't know anything about meditating. What are you talking about? And, 
you know, he kind of said, Oh, you know, it makes me a better father, better husband, better at work. And I was like, geez, man, come on. Like you're, you're trying to sell me a timeshare or something here. Like what's going on? This is a little much. Um, but you know, he gave me some guided meditations. I started using them naturally. I thought I was doing it wrong and I gave up to him a few months later. And he doubled down on the sales pitch and said, Hey, that's completely normal. And so I started doing it again and went to a retreat, learned a little bit more about the process and that what I was experiencing, my mind racing, having a lot of thoughts was completely normal because that's what the mind does. It creates thoughts. And so this is all to say that that's kind of how I got into this from a place of complaining and just not feeling great. And then, but not knowing why. And then I started to meditate. And the more I kind of allowed my mind to quiet, you know, I use the analogy sometimes that it, our minds are like a snow globe that's constantly being shaken up. And practicing mindfulness is like setting the snow globe down on the table, allowing the snow to settle so you can see more clearly what's going on inside. And what practicing that allowed me to do is to see that story that I was completely unaware of, right? Just this, oh, you're doing it wrong. And, you know, you're not getting anywhere with this. And, oh, you didn't do enough today at work. And it's just that constant stream of not good enough, not doing it right. And you're not where you should be. And the more I started to see that pattern, the more I was able to realize, wow, this is like, it's not just a thought here or there. This is a story that I believe. This is like core to how I'm showing up in the world. And so once I was aware of that, and then again, would forget about it, and then it would come up again, you know, even to this day, I'm still discovering it and rediscovering it. And now I'm specifically with the help of the therapist, you know, literally like in the last week, he told me, you know, explore this idea of self-doubt right? I didn't even really identify it as self-doubt necessarily. And so it's like, now I'm looking at those situations where it might've come from. And, you know, to your point about like losing a little bit of like who you are in those moments and kind of allow and to the story. Absolutely. Right. Like I feel like I'm not in a lot of ways, not showing up fully in certain situations because I've believed this story for so long, right? And I've traced it back to some incidents in middle school where I was like, you know, crazy about this girl and super jealous. And then I was crying in class and it was a mess. Uh, it was a big mess. But I realized then like I learned a lesson in that because people are making fun of me naturally. Uh, <laughs> I learned a lesson in that moment it's not okay to feel these feelings. It's not okay to cry essentially is the lesson. And so I feel like at that point, I just essentially was like, nope, I don't want to deal with that again. And so, you know, even since then, like, you know, even to this day, like, I feel like I'm not as, I feel like a lot of men as well are just not as in touch with their emotions and certainly, you know, not as able to feel emotions in the body, which is where they show up. And so I imagine that has some uh, effects on how I'm able to, you know, show up fully as my 
authentic self. But the more I am able to untangle these stories through mindfulness and, and a huge aspect of mindfulness, you know, is the, the, you know, there's kind of two parts of it. There's the awareness of what's happening in the moment, in our body, in our minds, in our environment. There's that awareness. And then there's also practicing an attitude of openness, curiosity, and kindness, right? For the, for, for the longest time, I was focused just on the awareness piece. And it was helpful because it made me aware of the story. But taking it a step further, more recently, in the last couple of years, I've really focused on that compassion piece, that self-kindness. Uh, and, and some people, a lot of times it's called like a loving awareness. Mindfulness is a loving or a kind awareness. And that's really what it's all about, right? Uh, and that cultivating that aspect of the practice has allowed me to hold my story with a little bit more tenderness and care and even a little bit more distance from it as well. So it's not like this is me. It's just, this is a story that I've been practicing. Maybe it's not the most useful thing. Maybe I can change it and move forward in a different direction. So that was a long answer. <laughs> I appreciate it. And there's a lot I want to unpack more. Um, so again, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I, I want to just underscore, I think people of our generation, I actually have no idea, like, held the yard so like take that for what it's worth but like for um I wasn't raised to to be emotional like my this is like a lot of what I talk about in therapy right like I my my parents weren't super emotional my grandparents came over from Italy right like it was just not something that they did or that I that I learned um and I think that many people can relate to that. And it wasn't until I, this is a sidebar, it wasn't until I had kids and my children are very emotional. Um, and I often say they're like my mirrors, right? I'm like, oh, well, like, how can I expect them to deal with their emotions if like I can't even deal with them? Um, but where I was going with this is I think in particular, and I appreciate you calling this out, men are unfortunately you know there's like a double standard there and um so i think that you know the the situation that you you mentioned in in middle school right where where you're crying and you learned like that's not okay i never want to do that again like i think a lot of men can relate to to situations where something has happened and they were like oh never again and i don't have a, a son um but, but I often think about that, right? It's like, what, are, what is that double standard? So we could, we could have a whole sidebar conversation on that, which is um, not necessarily where I want to go. What I want to unpack with you is, and we talked a little bit about this when I was on your podcast, is the curiosity piece. Because I think that's so important. And, you know, I was sharing with you when I was on my podcast, like, you know, I often felt like I was doing mindfulness wrong in the beginning until someone, you know, sort of pointed out that it's like, it's about just being curious. And then I was like, aha, like that makes more sense to me. But I often think it's easy to talk about and hard to do. 
And so I'm curious, you know, what does that actually look like for you? Um, do you have any, you know, tips or tricks of like, as you, you know, start to go down that path and start to notice stories, like how do you practice some of that like self-compassion and that curiosity? Yeah, no, that's a great point. It is easier said than done for sure. Both curiosity and the self-compassion piece. But, you know, I, I kind of have found that the curiosity is, is kind of a way out of difficulty, you know, of difficult situations, things that you don't want to be happening, right? Some circumstances, obviously, you're not going to just be curious about them and they're going to go away. But, you know, when I'm feeling bad, for instance, like I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed, it's, you know, it can be like, okay, well, what's that? Where does that, where do I feel that? Where do I feel that in my body? Okay. I'm tense in my neck. I'm tense in my shoulders. Okay. Uh, why might I be feeling this? Okay. Well, you got a lot going on. What could I do to find out more about this? Oh, well, I could write down, I could do some journaling that's helped me in the past. Okay. Let me write down all this stuff that's in my mind and just get it out of my head. Um, that has been really, really helpful, um, for me because I feel lighter just immediately after kind of doing a brain dump. And I'm actually doing this book, the artist's way right now. Um, and they have you do these morning pages, uh, every, you know, every morning kind of first thing when you get up, just like brain dump three pages of, of whatever's in your head stream of consciousness. And that has been really a great practice for one, getting things out of my head onto paper, kind of, and, and a great exploration of curiosity, because it's just like, I don't know what's coming out, you know, what's the next thing that's going to come out of here. And it's like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, I was saying before, I was like, kind of like nervous about coming on the podcast this is my first time on a as a guest on a podcast. I've had, you know, 50 plus episodes on my own podcast, but never been a guest yet. Um, probably some of my story keeping me from doing that and from doing solo episode, which you're holding me accountable to doing. So I appreciate. Um, but, you know, I was just kind of like acknowledged that like I, you know, am feeling the story that I'm going to do it wrong. And I'm going to show up in a, you know, less than optimal way on the podcast. And then it's like, okay, I saw that on the paper. And then I kind of kept going. And then it just like, wow, this is all what we're talking about here came from after that. Um, so that's curiosity piece. And then with, with the actual practice of meditation, right. And, and bringing in that, uh, curious, again, bringing the curiosity is the key here as well, because curiosity and kindness go hand to hand, right? It's very hard to be kind to yourself when you just like are un completely not curious about what's going on. Right. It's just like, I, 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 it should be a certain way. And if it's not that way, then there's not really any way to be kind in that, in that type of mindset. So for me, you know, it's moving away from there being some right way to do meditation, right? Some ideal state, some clear mindedness, some no, like a lot of people talk about mind, like meditation is like, oh, you, you want to push away your thoughts or not have thoughts or anything like that. But the brain creates thoughts. 
that in itself, realizing that the brain creates thoughts like sweat, gl sweat glands create sweat, that in itself was very helpful for me to realize like, there's no way I'm going to turn this off. So expecting that that's going to happen is just setting myself up for misery. So setting that aside helps. Um, and then just before I would go and I'd be meditating on the breath, my mind would wander, I would notice it, and I'd just bring it back. And that's the practice. But what has been uh, really helpful for me is to realize, oh, when that happens, it's an opportunity to practice curiosity and an opportunity to cultivate kindness, right? Okay, where did my mind go? What's on my mind? Even adding a little label like planning or fantasizing or ruminating or worrying, just labeling in itself helps kind of take some of the power away from it. And then I can just see, oh, that's on my mind. All right, cool. And then I could just say, okay, now I'm going to come back and start again. And then I'll say one more thing about the practice that has been really powerful for me. It's that realizing that each time my mind wanders away and I practice this kind awareness of, huh, my mind is somewhere else. Oh, my mind's thinking about the skate park casita again or what I'm going to have for dinner. Okay, cool. Let me just gently acknowledge that and then bring it back. Each time I do that, it's quite literally like doing a bicep curl for my muscles of attention and meta attention. And meditation is nothing more than mental training. So each time I notice that I'm able to come back. And that is strengthening my brain. And so thinking that realizing that not sorry, realizing that each time my mind wanders, it's an opportunity to actually do the practice and strengthen the muscle is really helpful. And it's not about just staying on the breath and having, you know, an hour where I, my mind doesn't wander at all, which again, is not even possible. And so hopefully that answers your question. It does. And I, I love that you, you talked about the curiosity pieces, like you're taking the power away from that thought. And I think that is, our thoughts are powerful, right? Like thoughts have created crazy things like iPhones and computers. Like my five-year-old is really into Storybots. I don't know if, if you've experienced this yet. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's these little characters, it's a Netflix show, but it's these little characters that are like in the computer, like answering questions. And it's like, <laughs> the other day she was watching one of like, a child asked a question. So it was like, where do French fries come from? I was like, what kids are they pulling for these questions? But besides the point. They and... asked me. They asked me. <laughs> I love French fries. <laughs> and it was really interesting. She came, she was talking about like the farmers and anyway. But um, where I'm going with this is right, like our thoughts are powerful, our brains are powerful. Um, and but they also hold a lot of power consciously or unconsciously. And so I think that what you've just sort of explained is a recognition of a thought is a thought. And when you're curious and have 
can practice kindness and self-compassion to those thoughts, you can really start to uncover some of the stories that you may have been telling yourself for many, many years and identifying sort of those moments that may have created those stories originally. And in a lot of ways, you're able to take your power back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the more you do that, the more you're able to choose how you want to change that story. Right. And so another thing I have been really interested, really interested in recently is this idea of envisioning. Um, and it, it's really this idea that our brains are predictive, right? So there's neuroplasticity happening all the time, which is the idea that everything we think, do, and pay attention to changes our brain in form and function. And so the stories that we're telling ourselves, the thoughts that we have, like you said, our thoughts in a very real way create our reality. And so when we can become aware of our thoughts and therefore the stories that we're telling ourselves, we can decide that we can change those thought patterns by practicing more positive stories. And I mentioned that our brains are predictive. And there was this study from this woman, Regina Polly, uh, a while back. And she basically found that even before events happen, our brain makes a prediction of what is most likely to happen and puts in motion the thoughts, perceptions, emotions, and even physiological responses for what's expected. And so in a very real sense, we learn from the past what to predict for the future, and then we act out the future we predict that, sorry. We learn from the past what to predict for the future, and then we live the future we expect. And so in other words, I think about that as we're telling ourselves stories about how our life is going to be, and then we're acting out those stories. But we can become aware of those stories as we've been talking about, and we can change those stories and put our predicting brain to work for us. And so that's what I've been talking about a lot on the podcast. It's come up so many times because I wanted to create a, a workshop around this. And I actually recently did. I, I led it at Google two weeks ago uh, for the first time. A friend of mine held me accountable to make it happen. And uh, I did. And it went really well. It got like a 4.8 out of 5 rating and great feedback and going to do it again soon. Um, but it's just really cool then to be able to really think about and set in your mind what you want to create in your life, you know, maybe envisioning five years down the road, what an ideal future looks like, and just getting really clear on that and thinking about what are the beliefs and stories and mindsets that I could practice that will move me in that direction. And, um, you know, another in a way to practice those is through a, an affirmations meditation practice that essentially you state the new belief that you want to have or the new story and then you visualize how is that true in the past how is that true in the present and how will that be true in the future and you really give your brain your predicting brain evidence that this is already true and then amazing amazing things start to happen you just start to see what you're looking for in your environment because you're ready to see it. And it's like when you get a new car, for instance, and suddenly that car is everywhere, right? Or, you know, when my wife was pregnant, 
suddenly there were pregnant women all over San Francisco. And it's not like all of a sudden they were there. It's just, I was ready to see that because it was part of my world. So that, uh, it's a long ramble. I don't know what no, you asked. I, lo I love it. I love it. Um, I love that. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You've given me sure. some, some things to think about. I just like what, what keeps coming up for me is like our brains are like amazing. It's, it's, they so, are. it's so fascinating. Um, I often joke that I was like a psychologist and or some like researcher in a, in a previous life, not this life. Um, I, I went the sales route in this life. Uh, Worked out all right. <laughs> um, Adam, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for your authenticity, your vulnerability. And um, I'm grateful that that you said yes to this podcast being your, your first guest appearance. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been an awesome conversation and I'm grateful for the opportunity. How can people continue to follow you on your journey? Yeah, you can check out my podcast. It's called the Mindful Fire Podcast, and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to mindfulfire.org. That has uh, all of the episodes on there as well. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mindful Fire Podcast, uh, all spelled out, all one word. And uh, yeah, if you want, you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is as it appears on this episode. Awesome. Well, I will include all those notes in or all those links in the show notes. So thank you. Sounds great. I hope you enjoy this conversation. If something in the conversation resonated with you, please, please share it with a friend that you think needs to hear this conversation. Feel free to tag me on social media. Let me know how you're listening, where you're listening, and what resonated. Tag me at This Is My Truth Podcast, or feel free to shoot me a DM. And because we're a new podcast and this shit matters, I would love for you to leave me a rating and review. Tell me how you truly feel. This entire podcast is about vulnerability and authenticity. So let me know how you really feel and give me some feedback. I really appreciate it.